Welcome back to another episode of the Electric Election Road Tripping Podcast. My name is Benji Backer, the host of this podcast and president and founder of the Conservation Coalition. And I am joined by two amazing gentlemen who have been at the forefront of how we move forward on energy policy. We've got Congressman John Curtis of Utah and Commissioner Citrid of Emory County, who has been really active on the coal energy transition and how important the coal community is to this conversation around climate change. Commissioner, can you tell us where we're at and why this project is so important? We're at the uh, San Rafael Energy Research Center above Orangeville, Utah in Emory County. Uh, This is important not only to Emory County, but I believe to the state and the country and really the world. We're Emory County has 400 years relied upon coal production for our economy and since the early 70s we've relied upon the uh, power stations that have been built in our county that have been producing electricity. As we get closer to the end of life of the power stations and with uh, changes that uh, are coming with uh, climate change and other problems we're looking for ways to keep Emory County an energy producing county and help keep uh, the, the country in affordable and uh, reliable power. And so the power stations here in Emory County work as baseload and kind of take the cushion out of the on and off production of solar and wind power. So this facility is going to research all types of energy, but the first uh, portion of it that is going online as we speak will research uh, coal and different types of uh, fuels, wood, moss, uh, whatever type of fuel someone would like to test. We will test in this machine and it will allow us to document the BTUs that we get and going in and the emissions that come out so that we can help learn how to get the most energy out of a fuel with uh, cutting the emissions as much as possible. So a lot of people feel like the coal industry in the United States, especially people who don't know of the coal industry or have been and visited the coal industry, they see it as the enemy. You guys have been on the forward looking end of, of trying to make, you know, climate change and and you know clean energy and and technology a priority why has your work been so forward-looking and and why is it important for this message to be seen by people across the country that feel like climate change is a big priority and that coal is the enemy well i I need to represent my constituents here in Emory County by building this facility and doing research that will hopefully prolong the life of the the power units here in the county and maintain our jobs here in the county. But it's also as important for the state and the country uh, and the world. The testing and the experiments that we will do here will benefit everyone. And so coal is kind of a dirty word to a lot of people, but uh, the coal generation that, that happens today is so much cleaner than it was 10 years ago and with the coal first initiatives and other research that's going on right now uh, coal generation uh, generating power will be 
so much cleaner down the road than it is even today. So we're just trying to help run the experiments and help everyone learn how to continue to have a base load using coal as a fuel, but to clean up the emissions. Well, and Congressman, I mean, you're super active on climate change and you've taken such a proactive stance of, of our ability as Americans to start fighting climate change. It will be, a, it'll be very controversial for people to know that you're working with the coal industry. Why is that so important and impactful as we look towards the solutions to fighting this issue? Well, I think, first of all, it's really important to, to step back and see what we're trying to accomplish. Coal is not bad. Carbon in the air is bad, right? And so if we step back and say, look, let's really fight what the true enemy is, um, there is a place for coal. And I think people need to stop and realize that some of our greatest gains on carbon reduction in the air actually have been through fossil fuels. Mm. And if you eliminate fossil fuels from the equation, we would have not made the, the vast improvements that we've made over time. And I get to see this, this county from the perspective of somebody who, who sees the hardworking men and women who for decades have sacrificed sometimes their health and their, their, their careers to produce energy for the rest of the country so they can turn a switch and be at 70 degrees. And right now, I think it's so cool what's happening here because these same men and women have the potential of transitioning to this, to this next generation. And these county commissioners are leading that effort. I, don't th I haven't seen anything like this anywhere around the United States. Well, and they're leading it from this level of leaning on technology and innovation to to know that there is going to be a different future for coal and it's not going to be the way that it was decades ago, but they're trying to figure out a way to keep these communities thriving, keep people employed, and also improve the environment at the same time. What do you think we lose by not taking these communities into consideration? Well, we hurt some of the, the, the best working men and women in the country uh, whose backs we've, we've rested on uh, while the rest of the country has prospered. And um, it doesn't need to be that way. And this is a great example of why it doesn't need to be this way. Who would have ever guessed that, that here in Emory County with 10,000 people, we would lead the country in innovation. That is really exciting to me. And one of the reasons we've asked you to travel down here is to show off really the innovation that's happening right here in Emory County. Well, and Commissioner, I mean, you, you've worked in this industry and you know the importance of it to this community. It employs a large chunk of the people who live in this area. It obviously powers, you know, endless people's lives. And so as you're looking towards the solution to climate change and the environment, why can this facility specifically be a part of that solution and why should people be paying attention? Well, the, like we said a few minutes ago, this is, a, a, uh, is going to research broad energy. It's not just going to research coal. So while part of this center is researching coal, trying to produce uh, a clean base load power with fewer emissions, there's also uh, research that will be done here to take that coal and make liquids from it to uh, to pull uh, the pitch from it and be able to make carbon fiber, which will be used for cars and airplanes, and heaven knows how much stuff will be made out of carbon fiber in the future. And uh, it will, the rest of the facility is going to research so many other things. We're going to do hydrogen research here. We're going to uh, 
This building behind us will eventually be a molten salt thorium research center, researching how to have safe uh, nuclear power. And uh, so w we will try to develop a salt that will work for uh, molten salt power generation and uh, try to help prove the theories so that the, uh, the molten salt technology can help become part of the baseload for, uh, for power. Uh, the, the country is looking enthusiastically towards solar panels and wind, and they're good, but they're, they're only efficient when the sun's out or the wind's blowing. And so they need a baseload power to, to take care of the ups and downs of when the sun goes down and the wind quits blowing. And so this center will help prove uh, the technologies that will help us to burn coal and keep the coal burning cleaner and also to bring on a new generation of nuclear. Well, I think one of the things that's frustrating from a climate activist point of view is that their climate activists are largely not focused on actually reducing emissions. It's about kind of talking about the problem, but then ignoring the types of solutions that are here. And as we talked about in the car on the way here, these issues are more nuanced than just coal equals bad and wind equals good. There, you have to be able to work with all sorts of different communities to solve this problem, and we still use coal right now. So why not try to reduce emissions and reduce the environmental impact on coal? In Congress, what has been the problem of trying to solve that within your own party and within the opposing party? What have been some of the problems with trying to create that argument and actually improve the environment instead of just talking about it? I, I believe the problem is extremism on both sides. So on the one side, you have these ideas that take your head off to fix the headache. And on the other side, you have the head in the sand, mm. right? Pretending that, that the world's not changing. That's what's so amazing uh, about what's going on here is they're acknowledging the world's changing. Um, a lot of people would like it not to change, but it's changing and they're trying to get ahead of that change. That's what we're not doing in Congress. We're stuck in these extremes and we need good practical people like the commissioner here who, who guide us through that path forward. Yeah, and I mean, as you look to the next generation, what worries you about the way that the next generation is viewing this issue? And if you could have an audience of the next generation, what would you tell them about being involved in a project like this? Well, uh, there's just so many people in the country right now that are, have jumped on the bandwagon to kill coal and they haven't come to the realization that they have to have that baseload. And as, as much as they're going to dislike learning that fact, they're, they're going to have to have a baseload. And with, with a lot of people, coal is a dirty word. And with a lot of other people, nuclear is a dirty word. And to have baseload, uh, you have natural gas plants that are coming on that are helping, but you're going to have to have coal or nuclear for a, a, a baseload to help the solar and wind and natural gas plants to be able to avoid brownouts and uh, actually blackouts as, as we keep getting further and further into retiring coal plants without having something reliable to take their place. When you know that it's some sort of transition, whatever that may be, is happening, it's coming, but you're focused on boosting this community 
into that next generation of energy development, whatever that may be, and you're trying to throw everything at the wall to try and and stand up for the community in a super proactive way. And and to your point earlier, this is the only type of facility like this in the United States. And I think what's fascinating about it is that you're seeing this as climate change is going is not a problem that's going to be going away. People care about it. So how can we empower this community here in Emory County to be part of the solution rather than, to your point, putting our putting heads in the sand and just pretending that these issues don't exist? And I think that that's where that nuance comes into this conversation that's missing as a conservative legislator in Congress. What do you wish that, to your to your point, this polarizing conversation of climate, what do you wish both sides would do differently, including some of these efforts? And, and how do you feel like you can be a major voice on this? Well, if I had a magic wand, I'd bring them all here to Emory County and I'd show them what's going on. And I'd show them how through hard work and innovation and good ideas and, and, and good old American ingenuity, we can beat this problem. And I'd, I'd, I'd really like them to see the dynamics of this county. I'd like them to see um, how many men and women have sacrificed for their comfort and for their, for their prosperity, and, and how these same good men and women are trying to, to, to leap ahead into the future and continue to solve that for them. And I regret that sometimes my colleagues and others will villainize the very people who have done the very most for them, and also the people that have the answers to help us move forward. Well, and I think we live in a world where climate change is being completely oversimplified to the point where people don't realize in California that they're using the power from right here from a coal plant in Utah. So say that again. <laughs> like, folks, <laughs> you, you may think you're clean and everything's no problem, but, but what's going on right here is going into homes at California at night to keep those lights on. And, and that base load, to your point, is an important part of the equation and where climate change activists often fall short is completely forgetting about that and not accepting nuclear or carbon capture or some of the important technologies that are going to help us move forward. That's not part of their equation at all because it's it's oversimplified. It's saying, well, if we just had solar and wind only, we would be able to solve this problem. Well, no, it's it's not that simple. And if it was that simple, we would be there by now. And of course, the technology is going to improve. We're going to get better policy. We're going to get better you know, innovation. And we we're hopefully going to be able to scale the work of clean energy. But we're just not there yet. And these communities are still such an important part of the equation. And so, you know, as it pertains to climate change, do you feel like, Commissioner, do you feel like there is a missing link that is going to cause a lot of problems in the United States when it comes to energy development and how we move forward as we're looking at climate change so seriously and it's such a big priority for so many people. Do you think that missing this part of the equation is going to cause bigger problems down the road? I do. I think we've gone from, we've tried to go from the, the energy production that we've had in the past, the power production, and jump straight into solar and wind without learning what that step was in between. And so now we need to step back and say, we need to study and learn what the step is between what we've had in the past and what we would like the future to be and learn at facilities like this what that step in between needs to be. Let me throw in too, if, if we judged uh, wind and solar on their first entries into the marketplace, 
we would have given up on it a long time ago. And to those who might be critical of what's happening here and say, oh, you can't recapture 100% of the carbon and things like that, I'd say give us a try, right? Let us prove it. And that's the beauty of what they're doing is, uh, the commissioners mentioned several times, experiment, right? We have things we need to learn. Let's not be afraid um, of the things that we might learn right here in Emory County. Well, and I think that it's the whole idea of not everything that sounds good is good and not everything that sounds bad is bad. I mean, you're going to need to work with these sorts of communities and reducing their carbon footprint. And to your point, the technology isn't there yet for really anything as it pertains to climate change. We're working towards those solutions and we're working towards those solutions in Congress. But but it's also people here on the ground that until recently really haven't even had the support from the public from the the from the public officials let alone like just the general public and it's made it even harder for you guys to innovate because there isn't that buy-in and we could have better technology and better better innovation if people were paying attention to all of the types of solutions in congress you're trying to look you're trying to look at this issue and look at the natural solutions part of it by you know restoring natural areas. You've been a huge advocate for public lands, but you also know that there are drawbacks to that. You have been a big advocate for clean energy as well as battery storage and carbon capture. Why is this any of the above, throw everything at the wall type of solution, the only way forward? And and how can people be a part of that? Well, I, I would tell you that if we take the position that uh, only one side is right, and only one side has all the ideas, we will fail. Uh, and, and unless we can get engaged in conversations like we're having and get all of my colleagues to understand the potential here and what's happening here, you know, I, I think the good commissioners here in Emory County would be pleased if we just get out of their way, <laughs> let alone maybe possibly give them a little bit of help. And um, if, if we're smart enough, we'll give them a little bit of help al along their journey they're smart enough, they're uh, in ingenious and inventive and creative and work hard themselves. They'll figure it out as long as we don't get in their way. Well, you're trying to, you're trying to fix these, a multitude of different problems through these, you know, these technological advancements. What are some of the barriers that stand in your way that the public or elected officials could help out with? Well, right now we're, we're have been limping here because of uh, waiting for new funding. Uh, the CIB in the state of Utah has been uh, very good to help us get this together, but we're trying to build this facility without financially harming the constituents here in Emory County. So we're not using general budget funding on this facility. So uh, there's a lot of money being spent in the country right now to learn how to build better solar panels, better windmills. But to, to get that to that end, we need some funding to help us with this next step and learn how to, uh, to burn the coal cleaner as long as we need to burn it and to try out these other types of energy. So this facility needs some federal buy-in rather than just the state, and we need some funding thrown at us to help with all this experiments that's going on. Well, this plays into the global aspect of climate change, which is often overlooked as well, which is that the United States alongside other countries needs to fight this, not just the United States alone. And you have a country in China that is building many, many new coal plants every single year. And if we could figure out a way to to either burn coal cleaner or find alternative ways to use the coal for 
all sorts of different things, we could be able to export those technologies to other countries, obviously help us economically, but also help the global problem of climate change and actually focus on reducing emissions. And that should be the goal, right? It should be about reducing emissions on a global scale, not just here in the United States and not just talking about it, but utilizing the power of technology and innovation to reduce emissions on all energy sectors because there are trade-offs to every single energy source. And I think that that's something that you know better than anyone else is that each one of these energy sources that we've talked through, and we haven't even mentioned you know, geothermal or hydro, they all have their own drawbacks. And we have to realize that and figure out how to lower those drawbacks on each energy source and also keep communities that are vulnerable, not just this one, but communities across the country and across the globe that are low income, you know, have everyone be a part of that process. For both of you, as kind of a wrap-up question, how can the nation start to buy into these sorts of solutions and be a part of this project here? And what would you tell them if you had an opportunity to reach them about how they can make a true impact on scaling something like this? I would come back to this concept of you've got to get off the extreme sides. You've got to come be thoughtful. You have to be open-minded. You, you have to be able to consider every option. Even if it doesn't seem like it would work for you, you've got to be open-minded and come join us, come support these types of things. And I actually believe the cost of not doing it is somebody else will in another country. Instead of leading out, America will be following. And we don't like that position. And we have the choice right here to be leaders right here throughout the world. And we've got to take it. Commissioner? Uh, yeah, I agree with, with the congressman. We need uh, we just need support here. We, we have good people in our area that uh, are, are behind this project. The state of Utah and the CIB has been very supportive, but we, we need wide support to, uh, that's what I said earlier, what, the, what is learned at this facility is not just to benefit Emory County, this is to benefit the country and the world. And so the, this is an investment that, that's going to help everyone and, and we need to, uh, to keep it going right now while the, the research is needed. Right now the research is needed to get to that next step. Well, I think it speaks to the fact that not all this is going to happen overnight. We aren't going to solve climate change in 2020, obviously. We're not going to f f you know, fix it in 2021. It's going to take multiple decades. It's going to take a lot of research, development, and then implementation, and then trial and error to see what works and what doesn't work. And to your both of your points, I think it's dropping those stereotypes of every type of industry. You, know, you have conservatives who are so anti-wind and solar because it's seen as like a liberal thing. And then you have so many liberals who don't even want to consider how to work with the oil and gas community or the coal community to have these sorts of solutions. And it goes back to that balance and nuance that we talk so much about. These communities that we visit over the last 50 days, the ones that have been, I think, the biggest part or the biggest potential part of the solution are the ones who feel the most left behind. And they feel like they aren't being stood up, by, you know, stood up for by elected officials on the national level. And they feel like New York City and, and Boston and Seattle and San Francisco are telling them what to do thousands of miles away without understanding, A, where their power comes from, or B, understanding what other communities are going through. And so hopefully this can help tell your story about how you're leaning forward into the solution instead of waiting you know for the inevitable and you're you're actually trying to change the course of of human history by improving the environment and keeping your economy strong at the same time and standing up for people who need it most and so i want to thank both of you for being such leaders on this issue because it 
is making an impact and whether that's the fact that California uses this power or that it's just powering this local community that is such an important community to the state of Utah, uh, you both standing up for, for this is exactly what's needed. And so, Congressman and Commissioner, thank you for your leadership and for, for walking us through this. And, and hopefully we can come back in a year or two and see all the developments that you guys have made together. And I know you both work incredibly well together at the county level and at the federal level. And those partnerships are exactly what's needed in this conversation. So to our viewers of the Electric Election Road Trip, we will see you next. We have one more podcast episode left to go before we are done with this epic journey, and we can't wait to see you later.